Thanks for listening to the What I Wish My Mother Taught Me podcast. Today, I am joined by Joanne Mel, host of the Strong Family Project podcast. Listen in as they present the seven pillars for a strong family. The seven pillars are simple tools and ideas that every family can adopt and benefit from. Our conversation was insightful, genuine, and I loved talking to them about being boy parents, bedtime routines, and I gained some good tips to help me be a better parent. Thank you once again for joining us on another episode of What I Wish My Mother Taught Me. I have Joe and Mel with me today. Could you guys please introduce yourselves? Sure. Uh, We've been married for 16 years and we have three sons, a five-year-old, 11-year-old, and a 13-year-old. And we just love to be all about our family. We try to be as intentional as we can with our parenting. And we both have some background that helps us to where we've come today. So I used to be a social worker for five years. And then after having my second son, I started to keep the books for my husband's business. So then we worked on that together so I could be home. And now... I really spend a lot of my time trying to help out at school, really know what's going on there, involve myself as much as I can. And we have started this passion project, the Strong Family Project, and it helps us to grow stronger as a couple and a family. And it's a really exciting new project for us. Awesome. Thanks, Mel. And I'm Joe. I was a high school teacher for eight years, teaching U.S. history and economics, coach from youth sports up to volunteering at the collegiate level. And uh, out of a passion project for something my family wanted to get into, we started fitness facilities out of our basement and grew to multiple locations and Mel's helped along the way with the bookkeeping and, and keeping everything on track. And we learned a lot of lessons through our teaching, our business growth, our social work that we now apply to our family life, which is the most important organization in our life. I agree with that. So I'm interested in the social work aspect. So I currently work um In my professional life, I'm the chief operating officer for a nonprofit, and we help individuals who are unhoused and just low income who need support and get in on a path to stability. When I read your your response that talked about counseling people with trauma, how did that impact you, affect you, and how has it helped you to be a better parent? Thanks for that question. I think in the beginning, just having my master's in social work, it set me up for success as a parent because you learn about being non-judgmental. You learn about how to listen and not always impart what you think right away. So it's really about loving the person. And in my experience, I worked at a wonderful agency called the Family and Children's Society for five years. And I worked with specifically with children and families who've been victims of sexual abuse. And the cool thing about that experience was I worked with victims, but I also worked with their siblings, with their parents, and anybody involved in their life who wanted to come in and and receive assistance. So it was a very difficult job because obviously trauma is not something that builds you up when you're hearing about it. However, through the process of listening to them and seeing them as a whole person, not just a victim of trauma, it was exciting to see them grow and be able to figure out a way to move past it, but, but not just be pained by it every day. Yes. I agree. Our motto is support without judgment. So we we support however we can without judgment because, you know, everyone has a story and whatever led them to homelessness or lack of employment wasn't overnight. It was really a lot of childhood trauma that just escalated and brought them to this level. So that was very interesting. And I thought that was so funny that we have some synergy in, right. in that regard. Can you talk to me about your definition of intentional parenting? You want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. A little bit based on what you two are just sharing. That is a, a great approach and starting point where it's your intention 
intentionally listening to your family's stories, but you're not judging because as parents, we want to like always be teaching and progressing our family, which is important. But sometimes it takes like listening to where they're at and seeing them as individuals as well. And so what we are proponents of is taking a intentional approach of defining what success looks like for your family first, and then making small daily steps to reach that. It's just too much and overwhelming to say, all right, we're here. We have a a five-year-old and we want to get them to be resilient and confident. It just seems so overwhelming. All right, well, let's slow down a little bit. Let's do a couple things this week, a couple things next week. Small hinges, swing big doors and make small daily progress when practical because parenting can be overwhelming. It can feel like you're getting nowhere and it can feel like you're going backwards but just taking a small little step. And regardless of beliefs, people don't have to believe what we believe or or vice versa. It's just, if you intentionally pour into your family, I think the outcomes are going to be positive. Being intentional really starts with self-reflection, which is, it seems like a lot of what your podcast is, is look reflecting back onto what you had, what you were given, maybe what you weren't given as a child. And instead of just rolling into the parenting role and saying, okay, I'll just do whatever I know. I'll just do whatever was taught me. Instead of thinking, did that really work for me? Is there maybe a better way. So we certainly spend a lot of time. We try to be together on a walk every day for a little while so we can connect and talk about parenting and whatever issue has come up recently. So we stay very connected and also reflect to make sure we're making decisions, not just based on impulse, but what actually we want to have happen in our family. I love that. I love the intentionally pouring into your family. Can you expand on that? Yeah. So it's, uh, I think people feel overwhelmed in parenting, in business and social work and teaching and nonprofit work when they don't see a plan or have progress. And when you pour in and you gather information and say, okay, well, here's where we need to go next. And let's put a little intention on going to this next one spot. Um, Donald Miller from StoryBrand uses the analogy of trying to cross a river. And if it's rushing, it looks too daunting and you feel way too overwhelmed. But if you figure out, all right, well, here's where I'm gonna put one rock and I'm gonna take a step on that rock. And then here's where I'm gonna set the next one. And you go to the next one. Eventually it looks more doable. And so by pouring in and getting interested instead of frustrated, you can find the next step. And we've we've put together this strong family path and it's seven different pillars that give people really it kind of lays out what you can do tangibly for your family to be intentional. And the, the one that kind of rises above the rest, that's really the foundation for all seven is the values. Having having values for your family core values. So when you, like we talk a lot about business, in businesses, you often have core values, just like you mentioned, helping without judgment. That's the core value of your nonprofit. And for us, I think we believe that it helps families to move forward when they take the time to establish their core values. Um, Like for example, one of ours is having gratitude. And we yeah. we do that with the children every day. At dinner time, we all share what we're grateful for. At bedtime, I, I do prayer with them and we share what we're grateful for. So having those core values set up, it really helps to filter everything that your family wants to do. If something comes up, does this really fit with our core values? You know, another one of ours is being adventurous, being genuine, having personal development. So we have those set up, we teach them to the kids, and then we make sure that we're always giving examples of how we're embodying those values. So we're kind of slowly one step at a time moving our family into the direction of these core values. I like that. I love it. One year I went ahead and did a vision board with my kid and it was the most hilarious (laughs) (laughs) project. I think my son was three and my, my daughter was five or six and it was the most hilarious thing. But you know what was so interesting? I, I had no idea they were paying attention to the work that I do. They both wanted to help people. They wanted to help the homeless 
And that was on their vision board together. And I, I thought that's great. And that can be a core value. Now thinking about it, then I can expand on it and tell them, you know, helping others is a core value of the family and we need to do more of that. Great so, role modeling. Good job. That's thank awesome. you. <laughs> I try. So tell me what are the other steps in your strong family family path? Sure. So after core values, um, we have a morning routine. Well, they're not necessarily in this order, but the morning routine, yeah. we find it's really important that you start your day strong. So a lot of kids kind of wake up begrudgingly. I got to get ready for school, whatever. In our family, we really think of it as everybody can contribute. Mm. So it's not mom has to tell you what to do or you have to do a chore. It's very negative. So we we try to present it. We have the mindset of everybody in the family, even the five-year-old can contribute. So our kids get up, they do a little five-minute workout. We think fitness is really important. They come up, they each have their task in the kitchen to help out with. And after having this in motion for several months, we're just kind of a well-oiled machine. And wow. even the five-year-old, his job is very simple. He has to open the freezer so the older kid can put the ice trays back in. But he's very excited to be able to participate. Um, and they also do a journal every morning. Well, they set some goals and write down what they're thankful for as well in the journal. You want to take another one? Yeah. So we have, we want them to wake up with a purpose. We have core values. Another one that's important to us is our family meeting. We got to do progress tracks, checks. Like you mentioned, you do a vision board. We did something similar, which gets into some goal setting. They they sat down in the New Year's and they drew a picture of what their ideal year would look like. And we right. hung it up in the kitchen. And then they have to set weekly goals that will help them go towards that. So we just don't want it to be a dream board. We want it to be a goal board where they're going to put some action behind it. Right. And so each week we'll have a family meeting and they'll share what's their commitment for the week. So one of Henry's goals was he wanted to do uh, 1,011 pull-ups on his 11th birthday. And so his Mark. weekly yeah, his <laughs> weekly commitment was 20 pull-ups a day for that week. And then we do a family meeting and we'll assess how that feel. Okay, well this week I'm going to do 20 push-ups or 20 whatever. Just weekly goal setting to get him towards that piece of his vision. And he has yeah. some reading, reading ones on there. Now I think it's 50 minutes of reading he's doing each night wow but it's just like think about it it doesn't have to be true all year because those goals are wild like hey i'm gonna lose weight all year that's really tough to maintain yeah. let's just do something for a week and so we do our family meetings where we we talk about any issues from the week we solve any problems together and then we come up with our commitment right so you kind of cover two we have a goal setting pillar and we also have the family meeting pillar and another one we have is family dinners which the family meeting can happen often happens during the family dinner but that's just once a week so we try to really come together every day at dinner. It's not really about the food. It's about sharing gratitude from the day, asking good questions. Joe is really, really great at asking the kids questions. The other night he said, what's something you learned from your day today? And it wasn't simply like academic from school. Like one of our kids shared how he's learning how to read body language. And he mm. noticed something about this one kid in his class who always has his hands in his pocket and, it's, and looks kind of sad. And he was able to see that and help that kid a bit. So we're just being able to ask a question that's beyond how was your day, yeah. you really could learn something that you never would have heard from your child had you not taken the time. So family dinners are really fun. What are some prompts that you use during family dinner? Because look, let's be honest. How was your day? It was good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, every time. Great. And how's this friend? They're good. And that's it. So I think that what is helpful for people is to have prompts. Like what I do is ask, how was your day? It was good. Great. What was good about it? Mm -hmm. So that we can expand. And then from there, we can 
talk more. And I'm intentional about knowing every friend that you are associated with. So literally I will ask, how is this friend? What happened with this friend today? And I know each kid's personality. So I can always know who will get you into trouble. So I ask questions related to that, or who did you have fun with today? Or who did you share your lunch with? Did you share your snack with this friend? So those are kind of prompts. And then my kids are really great. They'll tell me I had a bad day. Great. What was bad about it? And then let's find a silver lining in the bad day and a learning opportunity. But I think if you're not an intentional parent, you may not know that you may not have the prompts that you can expand on those questions. So do you have any examples? Sure. I think before we give the prompt examples, it's really important when you come to the family dinner that you choose to be fully present. Because if you ask your kid, how's your day? They say good. And you're all you're doing is thinking about maybe your day or something went wrong at work. So it's that first that choice of coming to the table and really being fully present and being willing to listen. Because sometimes kids can go on and on for a long time and you kind of want them to wrap it up. (laughs) My son does. My son just... (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I think acknowledging in your mind, I'm here at this dinner table to listen, to be present is really important initially. And um, I love how you said that you try to find silver linings and ask about every kid and individual. We like to ask about recess and lunchtime because that's usually when stuff goes down, right? So we do, instead of just saying, how was your day? We get real specific with it. You know, what did you do at recess? Who did you play with? Who did you sit Mm -hmm. with at lunch? So I think being very specific is great, but I think Joe has some great examples. what do you do? You ask about um, what kind of, well, if their day was a color? <laughs> it depends on the mood they're in. So mm-hmm. sometimes we'll have specific questions. Like you mentioned, you need to know their friends. And so we'll ask, who'd you sit with at the lunch table today? And that's always a question. It helps. One power question is to ask them how someone else would view their day. So we say, hey, if we asked your third grade teacher how your day went, what do you think she would say? Oh, I like that. And that's a it's a business question from like interview question. Like, hey, if I right. were to call this, your this supervisor, put, yeah. Yeah. What do you think they would say you need to work on? And you'd always get better answers because it's taking out, it's just too abstract on their own vision. It actually helps them learn some emotional intelligence to, to think what other people might think and, and read the room a little bit. So, hey, if I were to ask your friend, how, how would they say you helped them today? would be a great question. Uh, and I think you did a good job by explaining that there should be follow-up questions. Like you're going to get a lot of surface level answers and that might check the box in your mind. Like Mel was saying, if you're really busy, you say, how was your day? They say, good. Okay. And then you kind of let yourself off the hook. You got to force yourself back into the conversation. Right. And if they're not, if they're not feeling it, then we'll just ask abstract, like, Hey, what animal was your day like? And they'll say, you know, giraffe. And they say, okay, that's fine. But why? And then they have to explain why. And that's the important part. If your day was a smell, Kids love that mm. one. What smell would it be? <laughs> and, oh, I yeah, like that. Yeah, and they would come up with some wild, wild things. Who did you help today? Who made you smile today? Is one I asked, and Logan said, "This teacher helped." Uh, wait, and I said, "Why? How did he help you smile?" Oh, well, he meets and greets me every day, so I made sure to email that teacher and reinforce that positive behavior. Saying, "Hey, my son loves that you meet and greet every mm. day." So I emailed the teacher and the principal to elevate them on a behavior that's helping my son out and connect right. the dots and build the relationships at school, so they know I'm not just a parent that's going to show up and complain like this yes. is good and I want to share that too. So uh, working through those conversations is very powerful. And oftentimes though, those conversations with friends can lead to some really rich problem solving. And I think dinner time is a great time also. It, let's say they bring up an issue that came up with a kid, getting the kids feedback on how they think they could handle it, advice from the other kids. We really try to not be that parent that says, here's what you need to do just because I told you to do it. Mm. We really want them to brainstorm and try to figure out some solutions and then they can buy into it much 
better and want to do it if they're part of the solution. I love it. So one other thing popped in my mind when you were talking, I like numbers. So tell me three good things about your day. You said silver lining. I the other week Henry had a terrible soccer game. They got crushed and he didn't play a great game and he was ready to complain. I said, okay, well, what's two things you learn from the game? We can get to the complaints in a second, but what but first I cut him off and say, all right, we're gonna get to what went wrong because that's what he wants to talk about. But first, what's two things you learned? And then when we got to all right, now tell me what you wanted to tell me, it softened it a lot. Right. I like that. Stop and think about it, find the silver lining, and then he could get his negativity dissipated a little bit. (laughs) Oh, you were a coach. So I can see how that so her social work background and your coaching background just kind of brings a lot, comes into your family dynamic a lot. For sure. Yeah, I like that. Do your sons play sports? They uh too do. I, I was an athlete, but we just we encourage them to be in activities mm-hmm. like, well, you played college football. Are your kids going to play them? I don't care. As long yeah. as they're active and doing the best they can and whatever they choose. We have one son that loves robotics and building. So he has this after school robotics club that he's a part of. And now they offer it as an elective. So we'll be able to take it in the classroom. And so we support that. Yeah. Our middle son loves watching like YouTube videos of how to kick her soccer ball and learn from that. And um, I had not played. So he's learning on his own and doing oh, really wow. well. And, That's so good. Yeah. And our, our younger one likes to play sports too and do did a morning workout with him because he's home from pre-k today and oh so it's really just whatever you choose that's fine one of our family core values is be genuine and so if you don't have to genuinely be like me in my extracurricular activities as a child pick what you want but you have to be genuinely intentional about being good at it like you don't mm-hmm. you can't just join something because it's easy but you got to join something put your work into it and get value out of it okay so that's another core value what's another one you got the evening debrief and this is a, a quick one. Mel's a specialist on it. We had to put it on our list because when kids get comfortable in their own and like den, they're in their beds, they got their stuffed animals, their their blanket out. Like that's when it's late and Mel wants to get to bed too. And they start bringing up conversations because they're more in their comfort and safety zone. And it might be like, Hey, like we got to watch this video on puberty tomorrow at school. Like they don't bring it up in dinner. It's not like a big open air conversation, but it's on their mind. And Mel's got to be, we just put the words out there evening debrief because she's got to slow down and understand that even though she wants to come up and she has the conversations anyway, she calls them doorknob conversations. Like your hands on the doorknob, you're ready to go to bed. And then the big question comes and you got to go back. Yeah. Right. That that's like a that's a therapy concept. Um, the doorknob conversation where you could be speaking with your client for 45 minutes. Yes. They're about to they're about to get up and leave, and then they bring up the big topic. Yeah, um, like so. what have we been doing for <laughs> an hour? Exactly, exactly. You're like setting up the foundation, but then they bring it up at the very end. Yeah. So a big piece of the evening debrief is kind of like that that surface level question of how was your day? So instead of just coming in and saying, Okay, good night, guys, I love you, and then heading out, I sit down. We do a little um, Bible verse video that we watch. We say a prayer and then I read them a book. Yeah. But usually during that prayer time, that's when the topics come up. That's when the issues will come up. It's really a practice in patience because as a parent, I mean, we're busy all day. We want to get to bed as well. We want to yes. maybe spend some time with our spouse or whatever. The value that comes out of those conversations, I can't imagine if I didn't do them because yeah. when else are they going to come up? So I right. think yeah, the opportunity is there. It's a matter of being parent is often being selfless and you need to kind yeah. of put aside your needs and sit there 
there with them. And some nights nothing comes up. I'll yeah. come upstairs at like 940 and Joe's already like half asleep. And he's like, well, I guess it was one of those nights when the kids yeah. brought something up. Yeah. But I never regret staying those extra 20 minutes to help them work through something. Yeah, I do that every night with my kids. They're more, com- they're more comfortable telling me everything. And then I can talk to daddy. I like to listen because I learn so much when I listen. So every night mm-hmm. we stay on the couch upstairs. And for sure, my son will then when it's bedtime, that's when he decides I have so many questions and I have so much to tell you. And he's a question. He questions everything. And it's my favorite thing about him, to be quite honest, because I learned, I've realized how his brain functions and I'm now cautious with situations that I place him in. He needs to be prepped to go into certain situations. And it's those evening times that I've learned who he is and how he is, how he thinks and how he processes. My daughter's, as soon as something happens, I get a call, I get a text and okay, fine, let's, let's deal with it. But my son, he waits till the evening time. And then he's like, this happened and this happened. And why, why does this happen? And his, he's been on a God question path. Well, then why did God do this? And why is this? And it's been a whole thing with God, 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 like, I don't know, you're going to have to tap into God somehow. (laughs) (laughs) It's challenging. We don't always have the answers. I don't, I, yeah, I don't have a lot of those answers. And like, I don't know you. And what I've told him is, you know, you have to pray. Like we pray as a family, but you also have to pray and God will talk to you. God will give you the answers, but you, you, you have to connect with God somehow because these questions I feel as though will get bigger. Yeah. So recently my daughter had, she had to watch the puberty video at school. And from a girl perspective, we had already, I had already had a conversation with her. We had gone through our own path like two years ago in preparation for her just growing. But then this year, fifth grade, they sent an email about, Mm -hmm. and I said, okay. And I'm okay with it because I had already had the conversation with her and about her body and changes, but I was nervous about it because I wasn't sure what the video was. And so I emailed the schools, like, could I know what video you'll be showing? Because I need to watch it and I need to talk to her about it. I'm not comfortable with someone else telling her information that I'm not privy to. So then we watched a video and it was a lot. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious from a boy mom and you guys have all boys, how did you approach that. That's, That's a funny because it was almost the same story. Right. It's our fifth grade year. <laughs> yep. We got the email about the video. And we asked for the link to watch the video ahead of time, oh, just God. like you. Be, yeah. And uh, we had, we searched it. We found it. Uh, we watched it the night before the, ourselves. Then we watched it with him so he could pre-see it because I don't know which one to compile the videos compared, but it's a pretty mild one. Mal, how'd you, how'd you navigate? Right. So I to step back a couple of years. So it was really important to me. My, my family did not really discuss these things with us when we were growing up. Yeah. And, and that was really hard for me because I was like waiting for that conversation. It never came. It's really important to us that our kids hear things from us first, especially in the day and age we live in. They're going right. to learn probably a lot more than I even knew when I was an adult. <laughs> So this was about a year and a half ago. I was homeschooling for one year. I chose to bring up these ideas with the kids about body changes. And at that time, they were very close to me still. And they were a little younger and just kind of open up that door so that they know this is okay to come talk to me about. And then fast forward to this year, our son is in fifth grade, just like your daughter. And he brought home this paper. I guess we didn't get an email. We got a paper with the link on it. And he was very nervous about it. Yeah. And the, the part that was really important was during one of those evening debriefs, he said, Said, you know, mom, I'm not really comfortable talking to you about this because you're a girl. A girl. And a, a piece of our path is 
acknowledging all the different relationships within the family. So I could have taken that very personally. Well, two years ago, we had talked about this. It's okay. You can talk to me about anything. But I realized, you know, as a boy mom, like you said, my boys are going to need their father in new ways as they're growing. Right. So I was like, that's fine. You know, you need to talk to daddy. That's totally cool with me. I'm, I'm not going to take it personally. And then I was able to go mention it to Joe. And I said, I think he is going to start needing you a little more. So they ended up watching the video together, just the two of them. Okay, good. I, I respect that they need that time together. I don't get jealous about that. Of course, yeah. I want my hands in every single piece. Of course. I acknowledge that the needs are different and they needed me more when they were little. Like my five-year-old still needs me probably 95% of the time. But I acknowledge in my mind that those needs are going to start changing. And Joe certainly stepped up. And we always do everything with a dose of humor, which I think helps with these kind of situations especially. And even though our son did not want to watch the video with him at first, you know, that little gentle pressure, like if, if you want to, you know, come on over and they yeah. ended up doing it and laughed about it. I think when Joe and I watched it, we laughed about it too. <laughs> it was yeah. kind of like a cartoony video, the yeah. one that our school district had. Was it cartoon? I think it, yes, it, it, it was a mixture of both. It was just I don't know. It was just a lot for me. Um, I think I wasn't prepared. Like I, I had already prepped her, but I just wasn't prepared that the world now knows that it's time for my child to be exposed to these things. And I, I wasn't prepared. And she watched it. And after they had their meeting at school with the nurse and the principal, she came and we talked about it. And she was like, it was fine. You just told us about different things. And, you know, just really it was more self-care. The conversation at school was more about self self-care and deodorants and stuff and less anything that I was afraid of. So I was like, okay, good. I'm, I feel better. And, and the reason why I asked that question is because I have a son, he's seven and sooner or later that conversation will need to be had with him as well. And and I think oftentimes, even with my five-year-old, you know, things will come up with his body, let's say when he's in the bath. And then I just kind of make it very lighthearted. Well, that's just normal. That's that's yeah. how God designed your body. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't have to be this sit down, like, let's look at this book together kind right. of thing. I think when I brought it up with the older two a couple of years ago, I made these little cards and they could just, they would pick one and it had a word on it. And then mm -hmm. I would explain what that word meant. So it was almost a little bit of a game and I let them play with something while I was doing it. So it wasn't very, it, it didn't get too serious exactly yeah. but i think yeah. i think you brought up a really important point a minute ago about as parents we might have our reaction and we need to be able to temper that in front of the kid um and, and have that time with your spouse or a friend or whatever to kind of almost debrief on your own so that yeah. you don't necessarily impart your anxiety on the child i, I appreciate that you you were honest about that because it is it's a struggle i oftentimes will run into wherever he's working in the house and i'm like i gotta discuss this with you because i don't want to my anxiety to flow out when i talk to the kid right i agree <laughs> So you guys mentioned that, or you wrote that you have friends, local friends who are your parent inspiration. Can you tell me why they inspire you as parents? Yeah. So, uh, there's this family that we had back when we lived in New York, Kevin and Lori. And the reason why we picked them as kind of our parent inspiration is that they first prioritized the family. She had a profession. She stopped the profession to uh -huh. be a substitute teacher when they went into school. So she was had the same schedule as them. 
She would not take any sub jobs on Friday. So she could do all of the household jobs that she would do, all the errands, all the appointments, everything was on Friday. So it didn't leak into their weekend. And so they were very intentional about that. The father had an opportunity for a big promotion at work, which he put off until his kids were getting through high school because he wanted to be there more with them. They were also very self-sustaining. She did a lot of work in the gardens and they, they, they grew a lot of their own food. They started, um, it, it was an area where you get maple syrup. And so they created this little maple syrup business so the kids could wow. work on something and go get the buckets and learn some hard work, but also sell it and get some revenue from it. And then something else that they did, which was very important, is that they paid attention to their relationship as parents. And it was one of the first times we heard like, hey, like we've had kids, they're a little bit older than us, like for 18 years. And then soon they'll all be gone. It'll just be you and your spouse in the house. Yep. And like, you'll look at each other and you'll be different people than you were 18 years ago. And what did you do during that 18 years to build a connection? And they would go to like comedy nights and some religious events together, just the two of them, so they could have connection time. Uh, so we made sure to include that in, in the path because relationships are super important to manage in a household. So I was just really yeah. respected how they prioritized their time wisely. They were purposeful and they actually did what they said they were going to do. How do you guys prioritize your relationship? Yeah. So I guess the last part of the path is relationships. And so we have household relationships and there's a lot of them and we wanted to write them all out. Our relationship together, we don't believe we exist to serve the kids. The kids are uh, came products. around because of our love and yep. we want to make sure that we grow and nurture them, but we still have a priority to what created them essentially, which was our relationship and our love. Then they have the relationship between each child, you know, this child to this child, like how are they doing? Like I pay attention, are two kids arguing more than the other two? Then we have everyone's inward re- relationship. Like how do you view yourself currently? And we've had one, our older son, which has been like, ah, he's struggling in middle school because he hears conversations at school that don't align with our values and different language used and that like challenges them internally a little bit. We have to spend more time on that right now because that's if you view every relationship as like a power level like that one's yeah. down a little we got to put effort there yeah and so it's constantly analyzing where things are at for us uh back to your original question i know that was a long way to get around to it we do we don't do traditional date nights because date nights stress me out i don't want to go get a restaurant i don't want to dress up too I much work <laughs> i had to plan it yeah so every day we, we walk together it used to be about 45 minute walk. We'd walk and talk together. And that was our priority to connect every day. Now, of course, we do other things, usually experiences or, or going uh, out on a hike or adventure together to reconnect or just having a, a real conversation. But date night's not, not our thing. It was a small daily dose of just some intentional time. Well, we really decided that date nights happen they don't happen enough. Like if we could go out to dinner every day, (laughs) but we thought it was really important that we can invest in us every day, even if it's 15 minutes. Yeah. So the, and you know, a great example of why this works is recently a bunch, our kids all got sick kind of in a row. So one was home for a couple of days. The next one was home for a couple of days. All of a sudden we hit two weeks and we feel disconnected. Yeah. It's like, what is happening? Why are we disconnected? Oh, we haven't walked for two weeks because our kids have been home and sick. So I think just that showed us the value of being able to talk. And it's really important that we can talk uninterrupted. It's very difficult when the kids are home. And I mean, thankfully, our kids are a little older, so we can leave the older ones with the younger one. We just walk down the street for 45 minutes, but we need to be able to connect uninterrupted and be able to say what we need to say on our mind without, you know, prying ears. Right. So really, it's just the investment every day into our relationship. And I, you know, we talk about this in our path. I know when you have babies, it's tough, but we used to, we used to put our five-year-old when he was little in a stroller and we would just walk. 
Response. So there's, yeah, there's ways to prioritize. We just have to find that time every day. And I think everybody could find the time at least even a little bit yep. for 10 minutes. I, I do. I can tell you just watching the two of you. I like how you, you check in with each other without verbalizing that you're checking in even in our conversation. So I appreciate it. Um, you. Do you have any questions for me? Oh yeah. <laughs> now it's time to, to put those questions to, to use. Oh. So I just have, I have one because I know okay, I, I don't want to take too much of your podcast, which is what have you learned from your children lately? Because you seem so intentional about paying attention to them and listening. And, and, and it is very impressive the amount of intent you put into your kids. And we're always looking to learn what we can learn from them, not just from other parents. So what have yeah. your kids taught you lately, Nikki? That is such a good question. I'm going to answer your question. The, the entire reason for this starting this podcast was because I, when I got married, it was a challenge. I realized that there were things that I had not been taught or did not know, you know, and nothing against my parents. It's just they they did what they knew to do. And then I had my daughter and I realized there are things I need to teach her and that I don't know. So I was like, what the things that I wish my parents had taught me, let me create a platform that will help other parents just kind of also share and learn. So this is great. What have I learned from my kids lately? So I learned from my daughter that she is, it's okay to just be who you are. You know, she is a girly girl. She has certain tastes and she's, she is fully who she is, you know, and as much as I want her to be a certain way, I can't. I have to, I learned to just embrace her and guide. And the only way I've been able to guide her better now that she's becoming a, she's preteen is really just accepting who she is and then managing her from that perspective. Like, yep, that's great, but nope, let's do it this way because I'm still the parent, but I'm coming at it with her from the perspective of, I understand that this is who you are, but we're going to tailor the lessons in the life differently so that I don't disrespect who God made you, you know, but I can also honor the parent in me. I really like that. Yeah. One of our core values be genuine. And that, yeah. that's really, I, I, I like that. And then my son, what I've learned from him is just the power of touch and love. So last night, my daughter's away with her friends at a sleepover. So last night, it was just Nathan and I, and we're sitting down. He has to read to me every night and we're reading and something happened. My legs started to hurt and he immediately stopped reading. He's like, mommy, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And that last night taught me, I was like, he's so intentional about his love and the touch of it all. So as a parent where I'm rushing to do so many things and I'm at work and in my position, I'm on the phone when I'm at home and all of these things. What I learned last night is even in that moment where he was reading, he stopped because I wasn't okay to make sure that I was okay. So I need to take the time to just stop and make sure that everyone's okay. And that Those was last very night. powerful lessons. Those yeah, are really good to reflect that. on. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I would love to know what does your family do together that brings you closer? Like, are there certain activities that you do? So the reason why I asked about sports is where my son plays baseball and it's not a family activity, but it is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So we go to baseball games on the weekends together. And my daughter's like, I don't want to go. I'm like, yes, you are. Cause you have to support your brother. Like no question. Like it's not non-negotiable. So we go to baseball. Then after baseball, we go out to lunch. And that's that has become a family tradition. And then we love Monopoly. So we have every type of Monopoly. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that you great. can find. So we love to play Monopoly. And that's usually a weeknight event after school school or if there's no activity and we've done homework they can't watch tv they can't be on electronics during the week so we play games i love that you know one of our core values that we didn't mention is wanting to be together so we really want the kids we want us as a family to enjoy each other's company even yeah. when they are out of the house and they can choose whether they want to spend time with us or not yeah and I started right. being, uh, I started doing puzzles recently and the, the boys don't necessarily want to do the puzzle, but they love just like being near me when I'm doing the puzzle Yeah, and they'll pick through and find pieces for me. So it's just, it's really cool what happens when you shut off the TV, when you turn off the device and you just are together are and together. some really cool things will happen out of boredom comes really creative ideas. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Mel, how does it feel to be the only female in a house full of boys. It's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, it's funny. So Joe is one of four boys. So okay. he has three brothers. I have one sister and he kind of always assumed we would just have boys. And, and that's how things came to be. I don't know. I love it. It, mm. it really is all I know. Sometimes I say to myself, I don't know what I would do with a daughter, yeah. you know, because I'm so used to being with boys. I mean, yeah. I, I love it. I love that we're funny together. I love that they're very direct. Um, and I just try to appreciate each individual genuine quality of each individual person. Mm, I like so that. I, I don't feel any lacking. I, I love it. I, I God just God made me into a boy mom, I suppose. <laughs> we were my my girlfriend hosted Easter and we we were at her house and she had games for the kids. So they had water games and they did egg spoon race games. Mm -hmm. So they did that. And my daughter's 10, my son is seven. And my son, I said, look, it's strategy. You be the captain and you use your critical thinking skills and you're going to win and blah, blah, blah. And the moms said, you are a true boy mom. Like <laughs> <laughs> the daughter was somewhere, did not give her any prompts, but my son, I was like, we're going to use our critical thinking skills and we're going to strategize, <laughs> we're going to do this. And they were all just making fun of me. They're like, oh my God, you have a favorite. And I don't have a favorite. It's just Nathan and I just have that relationship. I, I love being, I love being a girl mom because I have a girly girl. And I'm lucky in that my daughter is actually very self-sufficient and independent in a way that when she needs, and I taught her, you have to tell me what you need because I'm, I don't do well with tantrums and I don't do well with people not communicating what their needs are from when she was little. I'm like, just tell me, mommy, I need a hug. Mommy, I just come sit with me. Mommy, hold my hand. If you tell me, I will stop and do it. And she, she does that. So it's great. But my son just needs a little more. So I genuinely love being a boy mom. It's just very, there's, I don't know, there's something so special about that relationship that I love so much. That's awesome. I love to hear that. And on a more serious note, having three boys, we take it very seriously to teach them what it is to be a man. Yeah. And we actually have like a, a poster in our kitchen where we kind of defined it as a family and examples and the kids can add to it. So oh, that they like really that. have, you know, like you were mentioning before, when, when you got married, you realized there were things that you needed to learn that you hadn't been taught. And I think we're all in the same boat with that. We want to give our kids real clear understanding and definitions of what to expect, what to aim for. And then I also take it very seriously to teach them like what, how you treat a woman. 
Yes. And what a wife is and what that can be like. So we do take, even though we don't have daughters, we do take those roles very seriously. That's very important. That's very important. I want anyone with a son to teach their sons the values of having a woman, what it means to have a woman and treat her well and vice versa. Mm -hmm. You know, you you don't want, I don't want my daughter to ever be disrespectful to the man in her life. You know, I want her to also be respectful of him. It goes both ways, hand in hand. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us? <laughs> We're checking into check it in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would say simply that if people like the path, like we do provide it all free on our website, we don't okay. actually have anything to sell. So people visited strongfamilyproject.com. This is Begin Your Path. We give the PDF, we give our notes on it. We first seven episodes of our podcast are all just one on each episode of the path. Okay. So that people can apply it to their own life. And it's just te- teaching the strategy so they can apply their own tactic. It's a non-judgmental way to strategize your home. It's like if a business has a plan or a nonprofit has a plan, a sports team has a plan, but as families, we just kind of let things happen. Well, here's here's an option for a plan for you. I love it. We really, we really want to just reach out and help people have a stronger family environment. And That's why really is that helpful. important to you? We think families are really the building blocks mm-hmm. of good societies. Yes. And I think what happens at home home should be the most important thing in your life. I don't want my kids learning their values outside somewhere. I want them to have their values from home and then they could decide for themselves what what works and what doesn't. So we think if if home life isn't strong, um, we're just kind of letting the kids out and and hoping for the best. And we don't like to just hope for the best. We like to do what we can to to make the outcome as best as possible. Absolutely. the The kids are a blessing to us and we take it very seriously that we are in charge of their education. And yes, we'll, we'll use schools. And we did homeschooling for a year when they did a lot of the uh, the virtual learning. We just didn't want yeah. to be on tech. It just wasn't a good fit for our kids' learning style. But like we have to own the outcome of our children as families. And sometimes it's overwhelming and daunting. So we want to kind of lessen that stress and provide some solutions for people. But the reality is your, your kids are going to establish values, whether you establish them or they learn them from their friends or they pick them up from church, which would be good, or from business or from a neighbor. Like they're going to establish a way of looking at the world. And I think we should be very intentional about that so that they have a good framework to start from. Yep. I absolutely agree. I love it. Okay. Anything else or any other question? Nikki, I just want to thank you very much for having us on your show. We really appreciate it. It was great yeah. talking with you. Really you too. Was. And let me just acknowledge you, you too. Again, like I mentioned, I love that you guys are checking in with each other without even speaking that that's great y'all should start a parenting thing on the side also or a marriage thing on the side as well i Um, appreciate that and i i'm always looking for parents who are intentional about parenting and sharing that with the world you know because i think the better we raise our kids collectively as a community of the world of the globe the better the world will be. So I just want to commend you for taking this on. It's not an easy path to put yourself out there, share your, like your family, what your family does with the world. That's, that's a lot to take on. And I just want to commend you too for doing that. Thank you so much. Thank you. That means a lot to us because we're not pretending to be a perfect family. We're just saying, here's, we're learning along the way. We're going to be very intentional about it. And that'll help us learn faster and learn from people like you and other resources and provide a platform for parents to share and families to share. So thank you so much for having us on. Thank you so much. It's inspiring to talk to someone like you too, who really cares about what's going on in their family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keeps and us the world. going. 
yeah <laughs> and the world because when we all died those kids they run the world you know and we want to make leave it better for for them and everyone else so Absolutely. yeah thank you guys so much this was amazing <laughs> thank you